You're listening to Test, Learn, Grow, where we believe that all marketing should create value, build trust, and inspire change. This is the Level Agency way. Hey, my name is Miles Biggs. And I'm Alan Reynolds. Alan and I are proud to be your hosts for this podcast. In each episode of Test, Learn, Grow, we'll be joined by agency team members and other members of the marketing community for radically candid conversations on all things marketing. So without any further ado, let's have one of those conversations and jump into today's episode. Welcome back to Tesla and Growth. Today on the podcast, we have Laura Greenewalt, team lead of the B2B team. And we have Brad Stevenson, VP of Group Accounts. They can't see you waving, Brad. Um, Rude. Rude. <laughs> we are here today to talk about cultivating culture in a remote environment and how to increase team dynamics. So Laura, in her team lead role, has handled a lot of obstacles and challenges over the past year. We want to pick her brain. And Brad, as he has ascended to his VP role, has seen a lot and has helped be a pivotal part of culture here at Level. So we want to get them I'm together. Wave. I'm going to wave every time you say my name, Ella. <laughs> All right, Brad. So we're going to get them together here today to talk through highs, lows, and some tips and tricks for your own remote teams. Happy to be here. Thanks for having us, Miles and Alan. Yeah, absolutely. Excited to talk about it. So I want to, I'm really curious and, and part of why I was so happy to have Laura on the podcast. Laura, you're currently, well, at the time you were the only female team lead. Mm-hmm. Pandemic happens, level rearranges itself organizationally into, into cross-functional teams. And suddenly you have a group of employees that report to you that are all remote, that, you know, dynamics are constantly changing. Tell us about some of the maybe initial struggles and how you have faced overcome those and some insights from that. It's a big story. I think this past year, you know, our team was like no different, but this past year, the industry has just seen such an intense turnover and so many changes across corporate, you know, industry as well as on the agency side. And so after we restructured into the cross-functional teams, we immediately had a few folks who said, Hey, you know, this isn't, this isn't for me. It's not the way that I signed up to start working. And so had some pretty big initial shifts people leaving the agency for for another role or another opportunity and then had to kind of rebuild and and bring the team back to my vision for it in this fully remote environment. So things that have been challenging, right? Just interviewing, getting to meet people and getting to know how they work, especially in a remote environment is hard. The how you train people and how you figure out what they value uh, or what they find inspiring. All of those things just have a, a different lens on them than they did when we were in office. So Starting this, starting at the beginning of 2021, whenever we kind of had that big turnover, you know, it's been a steady kind of uphill climb to a point where now we have a team who is using the tools that we prefer really effectively so that our communication is better, our collaboration is better, and overall everyone's sense of morale is better. But it took trial and error. And that, you know, there's no easy like magic bullet other than, Hey, is this working? No. Okay. What's not working about it? And just consistently sort of asking the team for that kind of feedback. I, you know, I would sort of piggyback on what Laura said to say, you know, our onboarding, you know, Laura mentioned training and I'm going to give a shout out to Alan and Miles here because our onboarding program is, you know, one of the best that I have ever experienced in my time in environment. And we hear people say all the time that, you know, the first several weeks really sets them up for understanding the culture understanding who they can go to for support, 
one of the things we have done more recently as we've been thinking about this is we created a cultural blueprint and we used feedback. We gathered feedback across the agency. You know, this was, I think, late last year. So after we had organically implemented some cultural activities, we said, you know, it's important to plan for this stuff and really have, you know, culture grows organically and sometimes it can grow organically in the wrong ways if you don't kind of give it some helpful nuts. And so we gathered feedback to understand what people needed and wanted from a hybrid culture. And then we used that feedback to develop, basically we prioritized and categorized the feedback to say, okay, these are the three sort of key areas that people feel their needs improvement or that are important to them. And we then started identifying activities um, and tactics that we could deploy to make sure that people were feeling supported in those three areas. And everything along that was, you know, had the underpinnings of our company values and also of our diversity, equity, and inclusivity frameworks that we, that we, that are very important to us here at the agency. But it, it was important to us to say, okay, what are the things that are most important to people? How can we do activities around those? Part of that was, you know, some of the onboarding stuff like a revamped buddy and mentorship program. So everybody that comes into the agency is assigned a buddy. And that is somebody that's just a support person, sort of that it can be at their same level or any level. And then a mentor who is a role-based mentor that should be at a higher level than them to sort of help to steer them through the organization, both in the beginnings of their time here and also as they continue with their time at the agency. So just the planning piece of it, I think, is what's really important. And, and a lot of companies don't really think about, okay, what is the culture that we want as an agency, not as a just an executive team, but what is the culture that we want and expect in, in this new hybrid reality? And how do we actually work together to, to steer it in that? What came up in both your responses was this idea of testing and iteration and having a hypothesis, seeing how it goes, and then making corrections based on it. I'm curious if, Laura, you could talk through a more recent example of cultivating within your team an obstacle you faced, how you tested it, right, and, and the iteration and how you worked through that, and maybe to the benefit of clients, right, tighter mm -hmm. teams results in stronger client work. So yeah, I can I can think of a handful of recent examples. So yeah, I mean, our team is always trying to make, how, how do we make our meetings more effective? How do we make our project management system more effective? And how, like, how do we know that we're spending our time in those conversations on the right things? So one challenge our team faces, we work with a, a big, you know, sort of enterprise client that uses a different project management system than us. And we do all of their project management as part of our scope for them. And so what we were facing was kind of a burnout on the project team. So our coordinators were scheduling projects, then rescheduling them if the client had delays and they were doing that in two places and the systems don't talk to each other and we're only allowed certain licenses with the client's tool. So all of these things were coming along to, to force two people to really be the bottleneck of all communication for our teams. And so what we did was we just sat down as a team and said, how do we make our systems more efficient within what the client needs us to do and how we deliver there? And it turned into a lot more for our creative team. So what we would typically do from a project management standpoint, where we would start with the objective and the date we wanted to launch, and we would work backwards from there to get everything in line. We moved to a really agile solution. So it involves more day-to-day -day communication, but simple updates are all it takes to reframe and reschedule the whole project now. It's not up to one person to look at both systems of record and make sure that each detail is the same between them. And you know that took a lot of it, it sounds really simple, but it took a lot of conversation. It took a lot of communication up front to figure out what the important steps were going to be 
And then on our team side, really going through a racy and saying who is responsible for each component of this so that now when we have a new project, we have a campaign coming up or we have multiple launches within a campaign. It's just a lot more efficient for us to communicate one piece of information and everyone to know exactly what they need to do to hit that timeline now. I think the other aspect of this that's important is that we we don't just keep that culture internal. We share that culture with our with our clients as well. And a lot of them come to really appreciate that and, and sort of meld with our culture in ways. And so partnership being one of our values, we lead a lot of activities around you know, whether it's start, stop, continue type exercises or just in trying to improve the partnership, the ways of working so that communication is more efficient, so that our work is more effective, so that we really understand one another's best ways of working and goals and objectives. And so we do a lot of those types of activities, not just with our internal teams, but also in partnership with our clients as well. And I, I think that that's really key to what, what we do here from a cultural standpoint, because I think it helps our teams understand how seriously we take the positivity of the culture and, you know, things like radical candor training. Um, so we, radical candor is one of our values as well. We take it very seriously to the point where it's part of our training. And so we lead workshops on radical candor, what it means, how it can help improve communication and everybody's experiences. And that's a big part of the culture. But, but then we also expect, and from the very beginnings of conversations with clients, whether it's in new business pitches or the onboarding process with new clients, we talk about our values, what they all mean, and we set those expectations for our clients as well. So that that way, when we're talking about radical candor, we really understand what that means. And, and for me, the communication aspect of a hybrid workforce is incredibly important to make sure that, you know, when you're slacking somebody or when you're emailing somebody, the text can have a, can, people can read a tone into text. And so it's really important to understand and be thoughtful about your communication process and the way even as you work with people, hey, how might this person, what do I know about this colleague of mine or this client? What do I know about how they might perceive this message and how can I be thoughtful about the ways that I'm communicating? And then when there's a challenging conversation, leveraging radical candor to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to enter this conversation humbly. And as, as if I'm wrong, benefit of the doubt is hugely important as well. So like those, those things are really important parts of our culture internally. And it's really important that when we work with clients that you know, we, we try to kind of foster that type of relationship with them. As both of you have been talking, a couple of thoughts have come to my mind when it comes to this idea of, of culture and we're a marketing agency. For me, I think about so many of the marketing strategies we use to help our clients reach their target customers. In many ways, we're employing those to, to hit our target culture or our target like employee base when we look to add people to the team. The fact that we have the values and, you know, all of these frameworks, like you said, Brad, to nudge people, basically like we've developed this cultural or uh, cultural persona of like how we, how we hold each other accountable, how we look and like weigh people against it when we're making a hiring decision of who might fit into the culture already. And then that helps ensure that that culture continues because we're not just adding all sorts of things into the mix. It's like finding the like-minded people. And then those people end up being attracted to the culture because it just becomes this momentum of, we set it, we find more people that embody it, then we show up that way, we attract more people and it just continues rolling. And I've been a part of so many organizations where they haven't had any of those things and the culture is horrible <laughs> uh, and we don't have that. And it even goes to like, you know, we're camera first, even when we're remote, right? We keep our cameras on. And so we're building like 
to me, that's a part of partnership where you have to see the person to build that relationship and connection and understand their body language and see their facial expressions, not just hear what they're saying. All those little things add up to just a huge cultural impact at the end of the day, especially when you're not in the same building as people. I think like the, what you're, what you're describing and like what you're feeling is the impact of culture being part of the overall strategy for the organization. So, you know, when we take, when we take, you know, we intake information from our clients and we come back to them and say, okay, here's how we understand your objective. Here's how we understand your potential customers. And here's where we think we can find them. We've, we've done analysis across all of those components and packaged it and, and delivered it to them. But when it comes to how we grow as an agency, culture is one of those tactics, right? It's just like for, for my client, it might be building this beautiful, deep email nurture program is one of the tactics that's going to get them to their goal. Well, for our goal to grow, to be able to support our clients the way we want to, culture is one of those. And so giving it specific and, and thoughtful attention means we can curate the experience for our internal team, which means we can better support what our clients are asking us to do. And so without like, without leadership from Brad or across the team leads that says it, it is important to me that my team all feels appreciated, that they all feel like they can come to me with both the wins and the losses. And we're going to learn and, and be excited about both within reason on the losses, but excited about both because we've learned from them. If my team doesn't feel that psychologically they're safe to do that, then we're going to have a much harder, uh, a much harder time being transparent and delivering on the things that we promise our clients. Yeah, that's a good point about the leadership piece, Laura, because it's really, you know, we, we train, we expect one-on-ones to happen on a regular, consistent basis. You know, and we train our managers on how to run effective one-on-ones. And then we also have prep sheets that people fill out digitally in advance of their one-on-ones so that that way there, there is solid information that comes to the managers in advance of that. So it can be a thoughtful, as thoughtful a conversation as possible. But in addition, as a data-driven organization, we like to see you know, how those sort of numbers and those things in aggregate are, are shaping out. And, you know, are we having an issue with morale for a particular period of time? It, the past two years, it's like no surprise, have been extremely challenging. So for us, it was really, it's been really, really important to, to keep a close eye on how people are feeling, understanding people's needs in this works, in this hybrid work environment as well, making sure people have the, the tools and resources that they need to, to, to do their work in a comfortable way. And so just keeping track of those types of things through qualitative information from managers and team leads, as well as quantitative from surveys and feedback forms and things like that is incredibly, incredibly important. And then, you know, the other thing, you know, speaking of the past couple of years, you know, it's no surprise that sleepless nights are more common. Anxiety is on the rise. It's certainly not changing right now with global events. And so, you know, one positive of that is that mental health and wellness have become more of the norm in terms of people being open to talk about it. And hopefully companies like Level being more, we always really have been, but more so than ever, really kind of putting putting that at the at the forefront and saying we, we care about that. And another shout out um, to Alan here. Alan, I, I definitely am a plant on this episode, right, for you. But, you know, Alan has been spearheading mental wellness um, activities across the agency to make sure that people have support around mindfulness trainings and mindful moments and things like that, that have been really, really effective. And so Alan, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit more about, you know, some of those activities 
and the importance of that. But I thought I would throw it to you with a, a little bit of a question here as well to talk a bit about what we're doing there. That's a really important part of our, our culture. Right now. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Brad. And what my hope was with, with starting these wellness workshops wasn't that they would be standalone events, right? Like you don't, you, you can go to a great event and then be done with it. But how, how is it connecting to the deeper culture here at Level? in the partnership that we have with each other and how I've seen that start to come up is a, it's a space where you can connect with people that aren't on your team that you don't normally run into. Right. And you can get to know them. So I've gotten to talk and have really deep, meaningful conversations with people that I would never ever see otherwise, just because of the nature of our work. So it's connected me and others closer to one another in the agency and then it creates this shared vernacular around, you know, hey, I need a minute. I'm going to go take a mindful minute, like, or just ritualized practices that we do now on our pro team during our team meetings, right? We have a wellness section where each team meeting, we're getting together, we're taking five minutes to just take a breath, refocus, um, share that perspective. Because at the end of the day, we love our, we love our clients, we love our jobs, we love level but we're not brain surgeons, right? We, we're under, this is not life and death. And so there's always a space to take a minute to reframe the situation and to think clearer. And, and I feel like, right, I'm empowered to do that through PVG and, and others that make it just, it's natural. It's the air you breathe at level, right? I think the other, you know, one, one thing, you know, we've been talking a lot about sort of the, you know, more, I guess I want to say softer sides of, of what we do. And then, and then there's the, 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 you know, the more critical side as well. Right. And that's where radical candor really comes into play, but it's accountability. And I think in a, in a hybrid remote environment, we've had to make sure that, you know, as leaders, you know, we understand what it means to set clear expectations for people so that they know where the end goal is. So, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, in an agency environment, of course, you talk about the brief, right. And make sure that you paint done. And so people really understand what the expectations are, but on a, on a deeper sort of broader level, it's, you know, what are the expectations of my particular role? What does it mean to live our values every single day? And what does it mean for me to be accountable? Not just, not just to the, to the team, to leadership, but to my colleagues, the people around me who are counting on me when I am in a remote environment. So it's, it's about, you know, maintaining that, that productivity and accountability and putting tools in place for yourself as an individual contributor to make sure that you are really, really there for your team in a situation where you're not sitting next to people saying, Hey, do you have my back on this? Do you have my back on this? Do you have the, you know, and, and making sure you're using the tools that you do have effectively to, to hold yourself accountable. And, and so that's been, those conversations have been incredibly important as well. I'd like to marinate on that point, right? It's, it's, we can talk about the positives um, and the benefits that have come out of it, but how do we have difficult conversations? How do we get to know people that we may never, ever meet? Some of the, the struggles that have come up or having team members that are all, all across, right? All across the country, but yet you still have team members that are in person. And there's a, there's been a lot of interesting, strange dynamics, you know? Curious, Laura, I saw your eyes light up. I just... Yeah. Thoughts. Well, so I, I have two examples from my team around that how am I creating the the right space to sort of work with my team members on on certain problems that they're trying to solve? And I I have one person on my team who needs feedback in a reasonable way, like everybody does, like pretty quickly after something is done. But then more than that, kind of just wants the friendly touch points of 
getting together outside of having work specifically in front of them just to feel like we're on the same page and that that's going to create the trust that they need to go forward in this job that's in this role that's pretty challenging at times. And so the, you know, the expectation there is, you know, about once a week, we have coffee in the morning before work. And I'm already up and working anyway. So it's not like that takes away from like my time. And I don't mind an 8.30 chat because it's a nice break before my day starts where we just stop and we talk about what we're both reading or something that we watched that week. And that's really important, right? And then I have another person on my team who, by contrast, is local and has said, hey, like once a month or so, can we just have an in-person working day together? We do so many things at the same time. Can we just be thoughtful about having one day that we both agree to go in the office? And yeah, that's fine. We can plan around it. We can set our time up for that in advance. We take a one-on-one day and we decide to go work at his place or my place or, or at the office. And those are the things that they find really valuable. I'm still getting my stuff done. They're getting their stuff done, but it gives us all that trust that that sort of builds in the way that they need it right now. So Brad, your role's changed. You're no longer, no longer a team lead. You have a little more distance from the day-to-day. And also we've had just huge client growth. And with that comes a ton of new hires. How are you able and finding ways in the executive team to, to build and foster trust when you don't necessarily see people on a day-to-day basis or have them reporting to you? Yeah, you have to be purposeful about it, right? So when people join, making sure that I am scheduling some time to get to know them. You know, the, the care personally part of Radical Candor only works when you know people. You can't challenge people directly if they've never met you before, even if that means virtually. That's really that's really tough, right? People are going to be like, who is this person that's coming in here to hold me accountable for something? I've never met this person in my life. Like, you have to, you have to prove that out. And so it does take that purposeful meeting, setting time as people join to get to know them and talk to them. Even if that means you know, meeting with a couple people who have joined the agency. Sometimes we have cohorts of people who join. So you can have, you know, multiple people in a session at a time where you just chat and get to know people's interests. And then joining team meetings, joining some client calls, being part of projects is really important as well, because unless you're working side by side or working with people on certain things, you know, there's that you don't get that sense of camaraderie. It's one thing to just have a one-on-one and say, hey, tell me about how you like to play racquetball or whatever. It's another thing to actually like join a project and say, okay, here's how I'm going to contribute and help support you in this project. And we're going to work together that, you know, you can have a couple hours of work. You know, I know recently there was a project to develop. I think we built a hundred landing pages in two weeks or something crazy like that for an onboarding project. And we had like an all evening working session on getting these things built. And I was there with the team and, it was like some of the most like impactful, th- those are moments that are like so fun and they just really helped to more immediately build build bonds with people. So just finding those moments have been really, really, you know, critical. So I feel like as we move to wrap up, something to be helpful for listeners is a bit of a summary, right? Because we're talking about level, which is awesome. But if I'm listening to this and I'm wondering where do I start? I think what we've identified here is if you want to cultivate community and culture, you first have to define what that is in your organization. What do you want it to be? How are you going to measure that moment of success of, yes, this is the culture that we want. That could be the values. It could be norms like being camera on in remote meetings, things like that. Right. And then you have to train everybody on that. 
and hold them accountable for as Brad just said, right? At first, if you've never done this before, it's going to be clunky. People might not understand why they have to do it. So you have to train people on why it's important and paint the picture of what success will look like once we, once you get there. And then it becomes sort of the roadmap and the strategy that Laura said for how you build the company moving forward. How do you, how do you measure folks in the hiring process? Yes, can they do the job, but also are they a cultural fit should become something that you're asking yourself. And then finding moments like Alan's done with the wellness initiatives. Now you've got the culture. How do you build a community within that culture and bring people together for things that aren't just, hey, let's get these set of tasks done uh, or finish the work thing. Just having coffee was an example Laura gave or the, the wellness initiatives that Alan leads is another one where now you've got everyone on the same cultural page. You can use that from the trust like foundation perspective to build a community on top of it. And then once you do that all the time, consistently, the momentum just builds and it sort of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy where it sh should move from something you have to police to something that polices itself. And you'll have not just leadership enforcing the culture, but on a peer-to-peer -peer basis, people using that uh, in their interactions with, another, with one another to hold each other accountable because that's what the group expectation is now, not just company leadership expectation. Well, I'd like to call out just a few resources for people yeah. um, that have been helpful for me as a leader. Culture Blueprint, a book by Robert Richmond, was re really great in terms of if you have, if you really are starting from ground zero with nothing, you know, what, how do you build that? A really great resource. Radical Candor, obviously, is incredibly important, especially in a hybrid work workforce, but always. So check that book out. And then we use a book uh, called Traction Operating System, and I really the one thing we haven't talked about today is the shared purpose, the shared vision, and making sure everybody understands where we're headed as an agency. We talk about it all the time. We have rocks, but we have our 10-year vision. We have our three-year. We have our one-year. We communicate that out. We're transparent about where we're headed. And so everybody is joined together, you know, moving toward the same same overall purpose, which is really important. So those three resources, I think, are really, really critical, have been critical to me and the, and the other executives as we build this, this culture and this new world that we're living in. Yeah. Thanks for that, Brad. And thanks for your time. And Laura, thanks for your time and everything you brought. This is a great conversation. Thank you both. Appreciate it. Always fun. Thanks for listening to this episode of Test, Learn, Grow from your friends at Level Agency. For more information about what we do here at Level, be sure to visit us online at www.level.agency. And do not forget to rate and subscribe to this show wherever you listen to your podcasts so that you never miss an episode. Until next time, remember that the best way to do any sort of marketing is to test, learn, and grow.